This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. All right, I'm going to start on time. It just turned 10:45. I have the seconds on here, so we're going to be punctual here. Um, thank you, everyone, for coming out to this breakout session. My name is Andrew Park. It's good to see a lot of old faces. I feel like a lot of faces that I haven't seen for years. Uh, even some of my friends from Hong Kong are here in the back as well. I introduced myself just now, but my name is Andrew Park. Currently, I am a student at Michigan State University, and I'm studying something called packaging engineering. If you're not sure what packaging engineering is, just look it up on the Michigan State University website. It is a real major, and you can get a PhD in it. Uh, currently, I think you heard at my short, short blurb on stage, but I was in Hong Kong for the past year, and I came back on Friday to the US. So it's good to be in a community. You know, the one thing that was weird is coming back to the US, everyone is Chinese, and then seeing all these different colors. I went to Walmart, it was, it was a weird experience. And uh, also being able to speak English. Um, there are English-speaking people there in Hong Kong, but to be able to speak fluently in your own language, it's really a blessing that I wasn't able to understand or appreciate until I went overseas. Just to let you know, this is a, as you can see, a presentation on a year in missions. And a little disclaimer, I was always the guy who is like, why should I go overseas when there's a mission field in my backyard? We're wasting our time. There's plenty of people to be reached. So I was not always an advocate for overseas missions, which is ironic because I'm advocating for it right now. And for all of us here, how many of us grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist Church? Raise your hand. Okay, so what do you hear quite often during Sabbath school? You hear about the mission spotlight. You hear about people taking time off, going overseas, committing to God for multiple years. And it's like a distant story, you know? The question is, would God ever want me or you to take time to go overseas to commit for one year or even more years for training or for missions? That's something that we're going to be exploring today. Hey, Good to see everyone. Good to see old faces. Move it up. How about now? My tie. How is my volume? Perfect. And you know, I'm guessing a majority of of us here are either students or working professionals. So the question is. Would I ever have time to take off for God? Should I ever take time off for God? I mean, I'm a full-time student. I'm working 40 plus hours a week. There's no time. This is not feasible. But would God ever want to call me to go into the mission field? So as we're diving into this presentation, I'm going to be covering a breakdown of my experience, and I'm going to end with some takeaways for us to consider. So as we jump in, if you don't mind, I'm going to bow my head, and we're going to have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, you know what my experience has been, and you know each person here. I don't know the background or how you've been working in each person's life, but I know that you want to call all of us to service for you in whatever capacity you have in mind. So as I 
share about my experience. I ask that you may send your Holy Spirit to fall upon this place. I ask that you may send your angels to encamp around us. I ask that Satan's host cannot find entrance into this place. And Lord, if there's anyone here that is considering that decision, I ask that you may send your Holy Spirit to them as well. Please be with us, Lord. We plead for your presence. I ask that you may speak to me, speak through me. I really need you to speak through me, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, one year in missions. How many of you are, are familiar with one year in missions? Raise your hand. That's literally like two people. This, okay, okay, we got some people in the back. So, one year in missions is a, a world church, a general conference initiative. And it's estimated that around 70% of the world's population is living in cities, okay? We're talking about the entire world, seven plus billion people living, residing in cities. And so one year in missions is really an initiative to get young people activated for God and get them to commit to going to different places, maybe in different countries, and committing one year for God in a mission field. My question is, when you're in big, when you're in big city settings, where are a lot of people? Where's a, a big concentration of young people? College, right? Public universities. A, a giant concentration of young people are located in public university settings. That's just something to keep in mind. And so in 2017, I made a decision. I was at a camp for, it's called High C for public high school and university students. And they made an appeal. For all of you who want to stand up, and commit one year for God in, in missions, come to the front. And to be honest, I didn't really think much about my decision. I was just like, hey, my brother took a year off. Maybe I'll take a year off too. So stood up, made that decision, and I didn't really know where I wanted to go. And in 2018, I received a call from the Chinese Union Mission to see if I wanted to be a missionary in Hong Kong. And long story short, I accepted that call I committed for that decision, and uh, I ended up do going to Hong Kong for one year to do public campus ministries. Just to let you know, Hong Kong was not my first choice, okay? I I'm from Michigan, born and raised in Detroit. I go to Michigan State University. That's a public university setting. So all my life, I was like kind of in the city. So I was thinking, all right. If I'm going to take some time off for God, first of all, I want to become a medical missionary. I've been reading some counsel. I want to go do some country living. I want to get involved in some natural lifestyle remedies. I want to be in the country, get some fresh air. Okay? So I wanted to go to Cambodia. This is not a picture of Cambodia. <laughs> but this is literally like the picture that I had. I'm going to be walking around the farm, you know. I'm going to eat some really good food. I'm going to take a walk in the mountains, and it's going to be grand. But clearly, God had different plans for my experience. And the, the sp specific project that I was doing was something called the PCM project. So you have One Year Admissions, which is a, a world church initiative. And the North Asia Pacific Division was starting the first time. They're sending uh, a group of international missionaries to people in different countries. So you got people from Korea, got people from Brazil, Taiwan, and then some people from America as well. 
all of us, we, we came together, we, we, we accepted that decision, and we were sent off to different public universities in this area. Basically one-year admissions in the NSD territory. Just to give you a little bit of information on Hong Kong, why is the light so dim? <clears throat> I guess, oh, for the screen, okay, perfect. <laughs> Works out. So Hong Kong is a city located on the southern tip of China, as you can see over there, and the population is over seven million. It's almost seven and a half million people. Their language is Cantonese, so something that I was not too familiar with, when you, when you hear Chinese, you actually have two major languages, which is Mandarin and, and Cantonese. And a majority of mainland China, they speak Mandarin. And Hong Kong and select portions of China, they speak the traditional language, which is Cantonese. If you're familiar, if any of you have been following the news, I think Hong Kong has been on international headlines, been in seven plus months of protests against mainland China, and it's been a very tumultuous situation over there. And I'm going to cover that later. Hong Kong has a lot of religious institutions. There's a lot of Christian presence, but it's estimated that even though you have different established religions, 80% of the people there don't actually have a religion. Okay, now the lights are back on. They don't actually have a religion. I'm going to go through the timeline here. So here I am in uh, GYC last year in Houston, Texas. And I made the decision. I committed earlier in 2018. So I had spent some time praying. I was asking God to please prepare me. I felt a, a very big burden because God had called me overseas. This is my first time in a, in a different country. And I felt a big weight on my shoulders. And I remember I was at, here at the morning plenary session. I don't know, how many of you were at last year's UIC? Okay, during the morning plenary sessions, I remember, you know, the theme was Acts 1-8 to the end. You know, we're going to receive power, then we're going to go to the ends of the earth. I thought it was very fitting for the situation that I was in. And from GYC, I flew out to Korea for 10 days for a training session. And that's where I met all these wonderful people. Some of them are actually here at GYC. And in mid-January of last year, which is basically this year, we had a dispatching ceremony where we were sent out to our different locations. Now, just to let you know, in my mind, I had never done year admissions. You know, all my, all my stories of year admissions is like, you hear little highlights of testimonies in different places. So I was thinking, you know, it's probably gonna be something like that. I had this Instagram, you know, Instagram put a nice filter on it, like nice version of my time in missions. And I was thinking, all right, I'm gonna be getting there. They're gonna welcome me in. Somehow I had these pictures in my head. I'm gonna be up front. I'm gonna be teaching people about revelation. All right, now we're gonna get all the people from the church. We're gonna go on these public universities. We're gonna set up student organizations. We're gonna get all these people to come out to our events. People are gonna get baptized. It's gonna be amazing, okay? That was the picture that I had in my mind. This was the expectation that I had by subconscious expectations. And I remember the first day that I came into Hong Kong, the reality, um, I met some people they took me to my apartment, and then I went to a study center slash church where I would be working for the year. 
And I remember my supervisor, she told me, hey, I need to go somewhere. People are really busy. I need to go somewhere, so what I want you to do is I want you to sit here next to the receptionist, okay? When students come in, there's like this button that you can press. Okay, they're gonna press the button, just talk to them, okay? So my first day in Hong Kong, I was a greeter. Okay, a stark contrast to what I was expecting. And this is not a bad thing. It's just I had different expectations and this was really good for me. Also, that same day, there was an evangelistic series that was starting, so I thought I was gonna be the one doing the evangelistic series. Actually, I'm just watching from a satellite location. Okay, so there was a lot of different things for me to get adjusted to. Um, these are some pictures of me at the local church. Uh, actually, a wonderful local church, and I had a lot of adjusting to do. So I'm Korean, American. I was born and raised in Detroit. I don't speak Korean, okay? So even though I look Korean, I'm very much American. And because I grew up going to Korean church, I thought I was very multicultural. But I, I realized that I'm not. I'm not very multicultural. And I had to learn a, a lot of new things, you know, learning a new culture, learning you know, a new language, new way of transportation, new food. Even though I grew up on Asian food, it was still a little bit different. Um, just new way of life, getting integrated with this church. Another thing that I had to get used to was just being quiet. So in America, I was very involved in my church, and we had a lot of people coming. I'd be saying, hey, how are you? Good, good to see you. Thanks for coming. Here I am. I'm the visitor now. I'm the visitor. I'm the outsider. I don't know the language. People are talking and having conversations. I can't really engage in it. What am I going to say? I don't even know what they're saying. So I had to learn a lot of different things during my time and really just join in a new way of life. In, that was probably the first couple months of my experience, just getting to know the church, getting involved, getting integrated, uh, fixing up my apartment, learning how to shop in a different place with new kind of money, and I can't really speak the language. And in the beginning of March, I, end, I started to go on to these public universities. So there are eight major universities in Hong Kong, and two of the universities that I was doing outreach on was one called CityU, City University, and Baptist University of Hong Kong. And just to let you know, in America, I was always used to working in teams. Teams, 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 big teams. Okay, we're gonna plan this. All right, you guys go out and do this, do this. Okay, we'll just make sure everything's done. Now I have no team. Now it's just me, okay? I don't speak Cantonese. I'm going on to these universities and I'm not a student either. So I'm like, man, this is really uncomfortable. I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing this all year. How many of you live near a, a public university or, or community college? Okay, put yourself, okay, get in your car, in your mind, get in your car and drive over to the university and then park in the parking lot and then walk out to one of the campus areas. Now, you're gonna be here for the next year, okay? You're not a student, okay? There's no Adventist there. There's not really any Christians there either. Oh, there are Christians, but you don't know them. Okay? Also, you don't do anything else. This is what you're doing full time. How would you feel? Easy? 
not very easy, right? This is what I was doing. I had to go onto these universities. I had to make this survey. I made this little survey, and uh, I tried a lot of experimenting on different things. And by the grace of God, I was able to talk to some people. I ended up hanging out, eating a lot of meals with people, doing some Bible studies. Something I realized that the people in Hong Kong are very secular. So in America, you know, everyone knows about the Bible. Everyone, I, not everyone believes in the Bible, but everyone knows about the Bible. Everyone knows about Jesus. But in, in Hong Kong, you got a lot of people from mainland China. It's a communist government. Um, and a lot of people, they believe that the Bible is a good book of morals, but everything's fake. Everything's just good stories. I can take some good lessons applied to my life, but this is not relevant to my life. So that was kind of my experience there. So that was my experience from probably January to May. I was doing this for five months, going on these universities, hanging out at this study center. Hey, and I was also an English tutor, so when students came in, hey, I'm from America. Wait, you look, you're Chinese. I'm like, no, I'm Korean. I'm from America. I speak English. And they start speaking Chinese to me. So it was kind of interesting. That's what I was doing. And I remember in, 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 in end of May, a friend of mine from the US, she sent me a message on Facebook Messenger. And it was an article entitled, The End of Hong Kong is Almost Here. And this article talked about how there's this extradition bill. Basically, the Hong Kong government is trying to pass legislation to allow people who are suspected of criminal offenses to be sent back to mainland China and then they can be tried there, it's for safety purposes. But the reality is they would be using this as a foot in the door because right now Hong Kong, um, I should give you a little more context. So Hong Kong is something called a special administrative region. So they were a British colony until 1997 and when they were handed over, they were given 50 years guaranteed protection of their own government system, democracy, etc. And because of this bill, now anyone who is suspected of a crime, whether it's religious or even political against a communist government, they can be just taken away. You're going to be tried in a closed court. You're going to be convicted behind closed doors. And no one's going to hear about you again. So this would be a, a subtle way of breaking down the protection that Hong Kong has. And it was a pretty big deal. And I heard about a lot of protests that were going to be starting. And you know what? What I thought was, uh, you know, in the local news, you hear about strikes or like protests. What is, what is usually the picture, like the videos on local news? Maybe like 20 to 30 teachers rallying around a, a school, and they want higher wages, right? That's kind of, that was my picture of a protest. I had no clue what was, was, what was coming, but this was brewing. And also in, in May, my girlfriend ended up coming, so I felt like I hit a wall. I'm doing this outreach, going to these universities, trying to do Bible studies. No one's spiritually interested. I'm trying to get people to connect, to connect with the church. This is basically impossible. And it was getting a little bit discouraging for me. I was also by myself in a new culture once again. And finally, my girlfriend came. That's the one, uh, Nicole. Nicole's actually right here. She's beautiful. Um, so she came, and I was really encouraged when she came. So finally, we're, 
uh, a community. So I'm a guy, I'm a little bit more conservative. So when I was doing outreach, I only talked to guys. So like 70% of the people I couldn't talk to because Hong Kong is more girls than guys. <laughs> and so finally we can approach both genders, we're a community, and we started going out to uh, do mission work together. It was an amazing experience. And she also finally had to go through the same experience I did, except she had to go through it even more so because I had some kind of context because I'm Korean, but she's straight up American, you know? American and she's new culture, everything, bam, 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 bam. She was living in a shelter with Filipino people, so it was a completely different experience. So I had to help her integrate into that as well. And this is when things started picking up speed. In June 6th, you know how I told you I thought it was going to be 30, 20, 30 people? I was talking to some people. Yeah, I'm going to this protest in Victoria Harbor. I was thinking, okay, great, you're going to have a little 200 people. It's going to be a little dinky thing. Over a million people came out to this protest, and they're protesting against what is happening in Hong Kong. They want to protect the freedoms that they have. And this was the start of a major thing a major thing that I had no clue what was going on or what I was expecting. And so I just want to let you know, just as a disclaimer, while I'm talking about the mission experience, simultaneously, all of these things are starting to happen. These are some pictures taken by my phone. It started off peaceful, you know, peaceful protests, but it started escalating into something that was more violent. And the protests, I guess, brought it into, into more police brutality, Etc. They wanted to get more international attention. Here are some pictures of companies that are uh, in support of the communist government. They were targeted by the protesters, and this was just a huge deal. So I'd be eating dinner, you know, I'd be eating dinner in my apartment, and I live on an intersection, and it'd almost be normal. I'd look out my window, and there'd just be police just sh shooting out tear gas, and then protesters dispersing vandalism, graffiti everywhere. It was just part of the experience, okay? So just keep that in mind. Also, our work was, our work schedule was impacted by this. We had to go home earlier because the public transport was shut down, etc. This was all part of the experience as well. So Nicole and I started doing outreach once again. I said we're, we're a community now. And as you can see, there are some girls in these pictures. Praise the Lord that we can Talk to girls. <laughs> and these are some pictures. Did a lot of eating out. Okay, you know, I, I always thought my picture of evangelism was, all right, so you guys want to do a Bible study? All right, so we got to start with Daniel too, right? Okay, what time are they going? We did a lot of eating out, a lot of hanging out with people, because what I found out the hard way, and this is maybe an obvious thing for you, but you need to start with friendship. You need to become people's friends. And when we were doing outreach, we did a lot of experimenting. Like, do you believe in God? That didn't go well. <laughs> that didn't go well. Or different kind of biblical approaches for evangelism. Guess what the most effective approach was for reaching public university students who are very secular? This is what we did. Hey, uh, you have five minutes for a quick survey? Okay, cool. I'm Andrew. This is my friend Nicole. We're just from America. And then, you know what we'd do? We wouldn't even do a survey. 
we literally just have a conversation with them. Literally just talk to them and get to know them. And guess what? That was the most effective method for evangelism for us. Breakthrough moment for me. I also got to, just on a side note, it wasn't all just we had some time off. We got some chances to travel and sightsee. Um, that's that. That's a picture of Bruce Lee. That's um, a floating restaurant. Just as I think this is like a side pit stop. And I have one testimony of one of the people we were reaching out to. We'd go on campus, and the one goal that Nicole and I had is we just want to have one good interaction. You know, sometimes we think, okay, we need to go on and do our reach for two hours. That's not really good for your psych cycle if you're doing it every day. Just one good interaction. So we were looking around, and we came across this girl who looked like a student, and she looked like she was an international student. And long story short, we ended up having a 45-minute conversation with her. We found out that she's hearing impaired. She's actually deaf. She can only hear consonants, but she can read lips. And we hung out with her so much, like we hung out with her a lot. And Nicole started having some spiritual conversations with her. Her, her dad is Buddhist. She has no religious background. And long story short, we ended up buying her a Bible, okay? We bought her a Bible. When, when, when did we see her next? Maybe like a week later? We saw her a week later. Guess what? That Bible was marked up. It had, it had like uh, page marks. She started writing down like different Bible study things. She was telling us about faith. It was an amazing thing. This girl who has no spiritual background, who we just met on this public university, who's deaf, we can't really communicate with her. God used us to bring her the gospel message, and she started developing a relationship with God. Currently, she's still doing Bible studies. She's talking with the next missionary, and she's gotten more connected with the church. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Another part of our experience here was in August, we went to visit one of the surrounding islands and with a couple people from one of the other local churches. And while we were hanging out and talking, we got on the topic of the Christian life, about ministry. Things are very busy. It's hard to have a devotional life there. And something that their, their church did was United Prayer. Okay, so my experiences with United Prayer prior to this was before I was converted. It was like people would come in, we'd have a United Prayer. I thought it was kind of like pseudo, just some feel-good thing, you know, feel-good thing and then we go home. I didn't really put much emphasis on United Prayer. But they talked about the importance of it. Their church does um, all-night United Prayer. And we ended up having a session of United Prayer that day. And from that time on, this was in August, I, I started listening to Audioverse, people like Pablo Goya, um, Jerry and Janet Page, Ron Cluzet, and I read a book called Steps of Personal Revival. I started getting more resources on the Revival and Reformation page, which is General Conference, and I realized that God was trying to tell me something. He was telling me, Andrew, you know, you're fretting about this mission stuff. You want to have all this success, and you're trying to do it in your own strength. And guess what? It's not working. What you need is the Holy Spirit. What you need is to learn how to pray. So God placed that upon my heart. And from then on, Nicole and I dedicated one day a week, united prayer, interceding for our church, interceding for our friends, interceding for Hong Kong. 
that became an integral part of our experience. And I guess one testimony on United Prayer. One, of the, one, one roadblock that we ran into is when you are an international missionary and you speak a different language and you're coming into a local church, you know, you, you know ideally things are going to be very integrated. But in reality, you're separated a little bit. You, you can't really fully integrate, you know? So we realized that the relationships that we had with the local church members were not the strongest. And we wanted to strengthen those relationships. So there's this girl. I got her consent, by the way, to share this. Uh, in the arrow, uh, whose, the arrow was pointing to her. And we weren't really seeing her throughout the week. She works a lot. So we started praying, Lord, we want to spend more time with this girl. We prayed that for probably about two weeks. Two weeks later, she got into an accident with two other church members. They were driving around in a district called Moncock. Was it Moncock? Oh, Taipo. Okay, Taipo. That's my supervisor, by the way. <laughs> she came in from Hong Kong, so you can say hi later. So we're driving around. There was a taxi that came, T-boned the car. Car was totaled. This girl had minor spinal injuries, went to the hospital, and I'm thinking, we're never going to see her again. We're never going to see this girl again. Saw her a couple days later at the study center. She had to take time off of work because she can't go in. She spinal injuries. She had like this thing on her neck. She said, hey, Andrew and Nicole, I'm not going into work. Uh, you guys want to do Bible studies and study English every single day? <laughs> I was like, sure. Yeah, let's do it. So we started doing Bible studies and studying English every single day. And finally, she got her MRI. She was good to go back to work. And right before she got back to work, she said, hey, you know, I really like what we were doing. Um, I'd really like to meet two days a week. I prefer two hours a day, but I can only do one hour. So can you guys meet one hour a day for twice a week? It's like, sure. Okay, that was the end of the testimony. We went from not even seeing this girl. We prayed for two weeks, got into an accident, and now we're starting the Bible with her twice a week. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God answers prayers in unexpected ways. But just because you are spending time in uh, intercessory prayer, in united prayer, it doesn't mean that things are going to be easy from there you're still going to encounter opposition and you're still going to encounter difficulty. So while we're engaging in this united prayer in the beginning of November, how many of you are following news on Hong Kong? Okay, some of you. In the beginning of uh, November, these, these protests began escalating and they started having clashes on the universities and this is one of the universities called Polytechnic University. And there was a whole event where students were trapped in this school for multiple days because they didn't want to get arrested for protesting because it's like a 10-year sentence if you're convicted. And these protests started escalating in different universities throughout the city. And I think it was like after the 10th of November, but all of a sudden, okay, there was a couple days we couldn't go into work, and all of a sudden, every single university in Hong Kong shut down for the rest of the semester. No one's allowed to go into the universities. Okay, do you know what Nicole and I signed up for? Public campus ministries. Every single one of our mission fields was, was shut down in November. We only have like two months left. Okay, it was kind of a discouraging thing. And I realized something. I realized that I'm powerless. 
I can't control the way that society is turning. And I was thinking, why would God bring us to Hong Kong and engage in mission work and be spending months in prayer and be going out all the time doing outreach, trying to talk to these people, only to just have all the universities shut down and everything be in vain, and then we go back home to America, we just wasted a year. At this point, I had a decision to make. And the decision was, am I just going to wallow up in discouragement and give up? Or am I going to press on in faith and have patience and actually apply the lessons that God was teaching me the past year very slowly because I'm, I'm hard to learn. It's hard for me to learn. I'm impatient. God was teaching me these lessons. And despite the difficulties, on December 1st, we had an event where we finally, okay, after 11 months, got six of the friends that we met on these universities, we got them connected with the local church at a bowling event. Praise the Lord for that. We were trying all year for this. And after the universities closed down, finally, we're able to connect some people with the local church. You know, even though we were having a lot of difficulties, God started answering prayers in the last month that we were there. I have one more testimony here. This is a student from uh, City University. He's from mainland China. I met him, we met him just doing outreach. And he told us that he's going back to mainland China. He left at the beginning of December. We were leaving at the end of December, so we wouldn't see him before he comes back. So he wanted to hang out before, you know, he left because we would never see him. Now, I'm going to give you a little confession here. This guy we've been hanging out with a couple times, pretty secular dude. Um, he didn't seem very spiritually interested. He would text me all the time like, so what's like American economics like? It's like, what are the popular brands like? Do you guys use iPhone or like Sam's? Texting me all the time. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm a missionary. I'm going to text back. But I'm not here to text people. You know, I'm not here to just text people casually. But I, honestly, I was texting this guy casually for three months. Okay, I don't do that with anybody. Literally, I don't do that with anybody. And I was thinking, man, this guy's wasting our time. He's not even spiritually interested. This guy's not even a seeker. What we're going to do, fine, we're just going to meet up with him. We'll grab a meal. This will be all formality. We'll say, bye, good to see you, and then we're never going to see him again. That was what I thought, wasting our time. But before we hang, hung out with him, Nicole and I had a prayer that God would lead the interaction. He came over to the study center. We sat down, and we started talking. And I was like, all right, I was relaxed, you know. We're just hanging out. And then while we were talking and hanging out, Holy Spirit began to talk to me. He's like, you guys prayed that God, that I would do something. You need to put forth your effort. And he was impressing me to take this conversation spiritual. So I was thinking, all right, I'm never going to see this guy again. Why not? Why not just go all the way? Why not try? He's... So I started asking him, very vague, I just brief overview of what we talked about. I started asking him about the communist government, led into questions about religious freedom, what he thought about that. I asked him if he had any religious background. I asked him if he knew about the Bible. And long story short, we had an impromptu, spontaneous Bible study on Daniel chapter 2, talking about prophecy, full-blown Bible study. He was blown away 
We ended up giving him some glow tracks. He accepted the study. He signed up for the study center and we're still in contact with him today and he's gonna get more connected when he comes back. Praise the Lord for that. Are you kidding me? This guy was not spiritually interested though. This guy was wasting my time. I'm, I'm just texting him about like iPhones. <laughs> How could this lead into this? God can do things in the last moment, in the last minute, amen? amen. He can do anything. And I learned a very valuable lesson. And the lesson was, in the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both alike shall be good. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's the promise that God gives to us. We are to sow beside all waters. We don't know what will prosper. The people that we thought, man, these guys are on it. They just accepted a Bible study. They want to believe in God. Literally never see these people again. I'm like, what happened? And now this guy, dude, this guy's not even a seeker. He's not even interested. Just accepted. I had to learn some hard lessons. So in conclusion, I guess, Though we face a lot of different obstacles, in the end, we thought that all of our labor was coming into vain and God decided to show his hand in the last minute. Friends got connected with the church in December, guys, in December. I was here for 11 months and not really much was happening. In December, why does God always do things at the last minute? In December, friends got connected with the church. We had a, a wonderful time. We handed off our work to the next missionary and we pray. We hope and pray that public campus ministries in Hong Kong, which was, not really, uh, which was not really big, will continue with the next missionary after the efforts that Nicole and I put in. We also pray that God will continue building momentum and working with the city and doing unbelievable and unexpected things with this church. Nicole and I learned a lot of things. One thing that I learned a lot was patience. I'm naturally a very impatient person. Um, so patience was a big one. Consistent united prayer, relying on the Holy Spirit. Um, but I would say the one thing that I realized after this year in mission is that I'm a broken man. And I need the Lord. And I, and I need the Lord to do a greater work in my life. And I need the, work, the Lord to do a greater work in my heart and I want to be more consecrated to God, and I want to be more consecrated for his cause. The Andrew that stands here today, although I may look the same, maybe a little bit skinnier, <laughs> is not the same Andrew that started my year in 2019. When I was in Korea, we were doing these, this training, and I remember there was one of the Korean pastors, he was doing a... Uh, a seminar, and he was talking about the previous missionaries, people who went PMM missionaries, pioneer missionary movement missionaries, starting work in different places. And he said the one thing that all these missionaries said after they came back from the mission field was, I went out to the mission field to impact my mission field. I came back, and I was the one who was impacted. I thought I was going to be the one doing the impacting. In reality, I was the one who was impacted. 
I remember hearing that in January, and to be honest, this is what I thought. I thought, the reason that these people are saying this is they're trying to justify reasons why they didn't have any success in their mission field. That was why they did it. But now that I'm back here, you know what? The conclusion that each of these missionaries came to is the very same conclusion that I came to. I went out to impact the mission field. I thought I was some amazing thing or something. But in reality, God had to show me that I'm nothing. And he had to impact me in the mission field and bring me back. I want to close with this quote. This is from Gospel Workers. I'm reading through Gospel Workers. And it says, The Lord disciplines workers that they may, be, they may be prepared to fill the places appointed them. He desires them to do more acceptable service. God brings about what? God brings about a, a change in their lives. Perhaps he places before them duties that they would not choose. Some God trains by bringing to them what? Disappointment and apparent what? That was honestly a majority, a majority of my experience. Disappointment and apparent failure. A lot of discouragement I had to go through. And says, it is his purpose that they shall learn to master difficulties. Continuing on, it says, a life of monotony is not the most conducive to spiritual growth. Some can only reach the highest standard of spirituality only through a change in the regular order of things. Okay, so we're going to school, right? I go to class, come back. I'm going to eat my lunch. Oh, I got to wash the dishes. Oh, wait, I got a 1030 class. And that's life. Oh, I got to go to work. Okay, I got to come back. Oh, man, I got to eat dinner. Wait, I got to wash the dishes. Okay, I'm going to read. Oh, oh, time to go to bed. I got to work tomorrow. Some people, okay, some of us in this room, the only way that we can reach this highest standard of spirituality is if God changes up our life. If God changes up our life, I'm going to continue. When in his what? What's providence? God's direct leading, okay? When in his providence, God sees that changes are essential for the success of character building, he disturbs the smooth current of the life. He sees that a worker needs to be more closely associated with him, and to bring this about, he separates what is that word? He separates him from friends and acquaintances. When he was preparing Elijah for translation, God moved him from place to place that the prophet might not settle down at ease and thus fail of gaining spiritual power. It was God's design that Elijah's influence should be a power to help many souls to gain a wider, more helpful experience. Was my time in Hong Kong all super easy and pleasant? No. Was there frustration involved? Yeah, there was. Were, were there tears involved? I don't cry that much, but I think there were some tears. Um, but you know what? Who cares about difficulty? Who cares about difficulty if at the end of the day, the experience draws us closer to the heart of God. 
you're not in this seminar by accident. Maybe like all the other seminars are full and this is the only one available. Whether you have decided to come into the seminar or not, you are not in this seminar by accident. And for some of us, God wants to bring us to a place where he can change us and grow us. But guess what? The only way he can put us in this situation is if we're broken on the rock, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And for some of us, the only way that we can actually be broken is if we're taken out from our current environment. God's purpose is not just to involve us in one-year admissions specifically, but what God wants to do is involve us in, and prepare us for a lifelong service for the master. I did an internship in 2018. I was doing back-to-back -back internships uh, for packaging. And I remember I, when I was doing my one-on-ones with my advisors, I was talking to like the big boss, person in charge of North America for the R&D department. And I realized that after this person graduated from college, she worked for the next 30, 40 years. She never got a break. She's in her 60s. And she's doing the same thing that she started doing when she was 20. Guys, life will not stop. You think that two, three, four years getting ahead will get you financially stable? Guess what? All those years are blurring by. You don't even remember those years. You don't, I don't, rem don't remember those things. But when you make a decision to take time off for God, to commit time off for God, this is an experience that will stay with you for the rest of your life. And guess what? We're talking about return on investment. This is something that we, we can't even quantify the return on investment. One little decision to take either six months, one year or more for God can result in a complete change of life trajectory. This is my experience. That's how I was converted. I had to be uh, removed from my current environment. We don't know the returns of making a decision to serve God. John 14, 1 through 3 says, Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Revelation twenty two twelve says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Jesus is coming soon. He's preparing a place for us, and he wants us to be ready for this experience. And here's my question. He's looking for laborers in his vineyard. He's looking for laborers in his vineyard. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he might send forth laborers into his harvest. And my question for you today is, get involved in missions or training. Get involved in missions or training. What are you going to do when you go take a year off for God? Honestly, I have no clue. I have no clue what you're going to do. But why not? Don't ask, wait, why should I do? No, ask, why not take time off for God? Why not? God doesn't need you or me, but he wants to mold us and prepare us. So my question for you today, for all of us who are sitting here, is if God is speaking to your heart, 
and you want to consider taking time off for God in either missions or training, and you want to take this GYC to look in the exhibits hall and look for training opportunities, if that's what you want, please stand up. If you want, amen, if you want to take this GYC, God is calling, this is not my appeal. This is the Lord's appeal from the Bible. If you want to take some time off for missions or training opportunities so that you can be prepared for greater service for the master and you want to use this exhibit, this GYC, to look for opportunities, I ask you to please stand up. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God knows your decision. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. My second appeal, oh, amen. Amen. God sees your decision. God sees your decision. My second appeal is if you're on the fence, okay, maybe you came here, you're in like a particular either academic or, or work situation, it doesn't seem feasible, but you're willing to consider, you're open to the idea of taking time off for God, please stand. If you're open to the idea of considering, please stand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For those of, wow. For those of you who may have made decisions, here's the one thing. If you don't follow up with your decision, you're never going to follow up. I think there was a GYC where like 300 people made a decision to do one year off for God and like one person responded. One person actually followed through with that decision. God is speaking to us in this seminar session. And he wants us to get involved, to get plugged in, and to become a worker for him. And my appeal to you is don't wait to follow through with your decision. Actually go tonight and look for mission opportunities. Um, I don't know if there was, will be someone here to um, give. I think there's a paper. I'm going to have to follow up on that. But if you are interested, please stay behind. We're going to try to get you more connected. And we praise the Lord for your decision. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.